Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Welcome to another exciting episode of Training Unleashed. Today we have a really great guest with us. We have Bill Stanton with us. I got to meet Bill in Oregon about a month ago. And Bill is a professional speaker. And he's really an educator. And uh, he's the type of person I think really, from what I can tell, having spent time with him and, and listening to a little bit of his stuff on his website, uh, which, by the way, I highly encourage you because his website's like a little mini training camp. Um, I thought it'd be great to have him here because, you know, all of us can be better at speaking. And uh, he was willing to share some of those insights, talk to us about speaking, a little bit about storytelling, and, um, you know, get his insights and, and, and t help make all of us better. So with that, Bill, um, please say hi to everyone and, and, and maybe give us some tips on, on being a better speaker. Yeah, I mean, primarily what I do is, is I'm a keynote speaker. I get out there in front of audiences, I open and I close conventions. But there's a lot of intersection between the world of the keynote speaker and the world of the trainer, professional trainer. I mean, we, we are both speaking in front of audiences. Uh, the purposes are somewhat different, but there's a lot of overlap in terms of how do you engage an audience? How do you, you know, how, how can you become compelling to them? In my case, it's for anywhere from 45 minutes to 75 minutes. For a trainer, of course, it might be two, three hours or two, three days. Um, but but all those all those things are are really important. One of the one of the keys to being a keynote speaker is you've got to be able to tell stories, and that's the same with training too. It's it might be a little more important for a keynoter because keynotes are kind of built around stories. But for a trainer, you you certainly know this in your world, Evan. That um, we remember stories. Yeah. We're hardwired to remember stories. Story, if, stories are what make things memorable that's you know they talk there's the whole adage by, by the way this is not true but mm -hmm. you know they say that you know people remember 10% of what they, what they hear and they are, remember 70% of what they do and those numbers are just totally bogus but right. I think the concept is correct and I think the same thing the is, is tell a sto story the idea sinks in so I think you're, you're yeah. right. The idea stick, uh, sinks in. It makes it sticky. There's a phenomenal book. Uh, it might have been their first book by the Heath brothers, Chip and Dan Heath, called Made to Stick. It's a great book. I think anybody who speaks for a living should get this book. Um, and they talk about the power of storytelling and how if you present ideas in the form of a story, people will, will remember. I mean, we literally are hardwired to it. You think about literally the first human communication that we know of are the cave paintings in Lascaux, France. You were just in France. Um, you look at those paintings, those aren't just individual paintings, those are a story. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end to those paintings. It's the story of the hunt. So this goes back a lot. I mean, as an animal, we are hardwired to remember stories. So if, if trainers don't have good storytelling chops as part of their, uh, as, as, as part of their arsenal of training tools, uh, you're really missing out on something incredibly powerful. So, so how do you, how, first off, I love the fact you told a story about telling stories by sharing the paints, painting the painting right. stories. <laughs> so you're telling a story as you're talking about telling stories. But what are the tips? What are the keys to, to being good at storytelling? 
Well, um, first of all, your story has to be compelling. Um, you need to, I mean, the audience has to know why you're telling the story. <clears throat> they have to know, you know, what's, you know, where, where you're getting to, that, that, that there's a point. I'll give you a quick little tip. Um, um, one really cool thing to do with storytelling is if you can begin and end the story the same way. It's called circular construction, or I call it the mirror technique. If the ending of your story can mirror the beginning. Let's say, for example, now I don't have a story about this, <clears throat> but let's say I were to tell a story and the opening line was something like, you know, I was never a cat person, uh, which is a claim that my girlfriend decided to put to the test on Thanksgiving Day, 2016. Okay, then I tell the story. And then I get to the ending. And imagine if the ending line is something like, I was never a cat person until Thanksgiving Day, 2016. Hmm. So that just kind of brings it all together. Um, so it doesn't have to be your, your actual first line and last line, but when you're trying to figure out how to end a story, because endings are tough. Endings are really tough. Um, uh, the best place to look for your ending is, in, is at your beginning. Like, what are some of the key things you said in the beginning? And is there anything from the beginning that you can then circle back to and kind of tie it up in a nice little bow? And then, of course, you have to, have to, have to apply it to the learning. Sure. You can't just tell a story and say, okay, now let's talk about something completely different. It's got to be something like, well, here's what I learned from that. Or here's the takeaway. Or how many of you, who here has been in a situation like that? I mean, maybe not that exact situation, but a situation where you feel out of control or, or, I mean, whatever the point of the story is. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Here's, you know, here are the lessons. Um, I, I know there are, there are some speakers and certainly some trainers who will tell a story because it's a, because they think it's a great story and then they don't tie it to the, to the content. And so the, the audience, the attendees are thinking, that was a great story, but that's not what I paid my money for. You know, right. that's, 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 it's not, it's not helping me. It doesn't tie in with anything. Um, so, I mean, there, there has, there has to be a purpose for the story. Yeah. Do you tend to tell a story in parts and make the points in the middle or do you tend to tell the whole story and then, and then go back to the story to make your points after the story is complete? That's a, that's a really good question. It depends on the length of the story. I mean, stories don't have to be 20 minutes long. Some stories are, you know, three or four sentences. Um, the, if it's a longer story, I'll, I'll what I call break out of the story more often. I'll tell the story. I'll get to a point and I say, now, I mean, that's, that's kind of like your world also. Like, let's say I'm speaking to um, uh, steel workers. I'm going to be speaking to some steel workers um, in, in about a week. Um, and I'm going to tell a story about, uh, I mean, my background is in television. Comedy yeah. tell. I work with people like Jerry Seinfeld and Ellen DeGeneres. Um, my team and I literally invented Bill Nye the Science Guy. He was my lowest paid writer at one point, and then really something went wrong. A guest didn't show up. We were desperate, and Bill said, "Maybe I can do something." It's like, "Shut up, Bill." Okay, fine. Let's give it a shot. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, let me start that. Oh, yeah, okay, now I will start that over again. <laughs> one, two, three. For example, I'm going to be speaking to steel workers and we're going to be telling them a story about how my team and I, I my background was television um we literally invented bill nye the science guy well that's a bit of a long story about how that happened and it's funny and there's all kinds of cool things in it 
But there are parts where I'll break out and bring it to their, I won't wait until the end of the story to bring it to their world. I'll say, you know, here's what happened, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, a guest canceled the day of the show. And that was a crisis. I mean, imagine, I mean, in your world, you've got crises like these also that you've got to deal with. And then, and I will use the research that I've done because I try and customize everything. For example, you know, you might have a client call you the, you know, the day before you're going to do an install and blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> and so, so you would think, so that's what I was going through. Same thing you feel, that's what I was going through. And then, and then now it's back to my story. But yes. I'm, I'm kind of checking in with them. And the longer the story, the more often you need to do that. The more often you need to kind of check in with them. Um, another cool technique that I do sometimes <clears throat> is I'll, I'll start a story and I'll get to – there, there are two ways to do this technique. I'll either end on a cliffhanger and, you know, and that's when, uh, you know, the rain started or that's when, you know, something went wrong. I'll say, now who here has been in a situation like that? Blah, blah, blah. And then I'll start doing the training. I'll start doing my content. Yeah. And, you know, and I'll do that for maybe 10 minutes or something. And then all of a sudden say, bring it back and say, okay, so there I was hanging off the cliff. Here's what, and, they, and they, they'll go, oh, yeah, right, right. You know, because they want to know how the story ends. We've all been in that situation where it's like three in the morning and we're still watching some horrible movie on TV because we can't go to sleep because we have to know how it ends. Again, it's hardwired. We want to know how the story ends. So I'll do that. Or another way to do this is get to what appears to be the ending of a story and then make your point and apply it to your attendees and go on with your training and then say something like, okay, earlier I told you about blah, 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 the story. Here's the part that I didn't tell you. And when you do that and do a little pause, all of a sudden the audience wakes up a little more. It's like, ooh, there's more to the story. And now they're engaged because, I mean, nobody's going to like, their minds aren't going to wander. The Here's the part I didn't tell you. So one, there's more to the story. And two, there's a little mystery. Like, oh, what is it? What is the part that, that you know, he or she didn't tell me? And then you wrap it up with, with, with the real ending of the story. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Total Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Total makes effective training easier. Just go to Tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's Tortal.net. T-O-R-T-A-L. Tortal.net. Now, now, Bill, I'm going to chime in here. For two yeah. reasons. One, the power of storytelling is it creates a picture in your own mind, right? And so as you're as you're telling your story, I'm thinking about the story when I speak that right. I tell. Right. And so I do a, a thing where I start off with a, vid, a video of a of a professional skier in 1975 who happened to be a personal friend of mine, and then I show a video of a professional skier today and how much better they are. And the whole point is the need for constant improvement and right, right. excellence and ever ending journey. So I'll talk about that. Let's talk about your industry and all the things that have changed, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then I go further down the line and they go, Oh, that one thing I didn't tell you about that story. Yes. That second speaker, that second skier happened to be my son. And That's fantastic. Wow. Yeah. And then I tell them. And you feel it in the, in, in the room when you do that, don't you? I mean, you, you, you yeah. can feel the energy come back. 
Exactly. And then I talk about all the work he did to get to that point. Yeah. Which is really this, a second story. Because the right. first story is talking about never-ending improvement. The second story is talking about how it doesn't happen by accident and how yeah. much you have to work to get there. And so, one, I'm just, A, building on what you just said, but two, demonstrating the power of a story. Because I'm sure as people are listening to us, they're thinking of stories in their lives or things that they can use and hopefully, and hopefully, hopefully apply. I want to change the topic. Go okay. ahead. Like, well, I was going to say, that's, that's another, you just brought up something really important. Please develop your own stories. If you want help with that, contact me. We'll talk about that, and I can help you with that. I've got whole modules on that that I can talk about. Don't just use, in, in the speaking world, we call it you know, the starfish story. There is, oh, I made a difference to that one, throwing starfish back. If you don't know it, it's probably in Chicken Soup for the Soul or something. Don't use the same hackneyed stories that everybody else is using. Because instead of engaging the audience, you're going to put them to sleep because most of them have heard that story already. Use your own story. If you've lived any kind of a life, you've got dozens of great stories. You may not know that you've got dozens of great stories, but I promise you, you do. And I can, I can help you find them if you want to. Well, you know, what's interesting is when you sit back and say to yourself, I want a story about this, yeah. you can't think of a story, all of a sudden in the next week or two, they're going to just come back. You're going to see yeah. something. Yeah. 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 Well, and there, there, there are techniques. Here's, here's one, one quick thing that I know you want to go into something else. When people are looking for stories from their own life, um, they're asking the wrong question because they say, okay, when did something interesting happen to me? Or when did something happen that relates to sales? Or when did something funny happen to me? And you maybe come up with one or two, but that's a ego blank. Here's the magic question that'll unlock dozens, maybe even hundreds of stories. And it's this, when did something go wrong? Here's, all of you listening, here's what I want you to do. Next time you have a free half hour, just a half an hour, Sit down with a, with, a, with, a, with a pad of paper. You can do it on a computer too, but there's something about the actual action of writing something down. That, that, um, and just think of everything in your life that you can think of, every time, every instant where something went wrong. It can be anything from when you lock yourself out of your house to your four-year-old son was diagnosed with leukemia. You know, any, anything, because stories are built on a conflict. And a conflict is when something goes wrong. So I promise you, if you take a half hour, you'll come up with a list of at least 20, any one of which could be a great story to tell your attendees. And then, and then the trick is, okay, now how do we apply it to their world? That's actually sure. Yeah. So just, just kind of quickly, because I think it's interesting. You have a background in comedy. I do. You you had a show on Comedy Central for two and a half years. True. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to make this statement. I think you agree. <laughs> Comedy is like the toughest thing for a speaker to, act, to add. And if you're not naturally good at it. You're if really, you're not naturally good at it, yeah. Yeah. Storytelling is different. You can work and build a good story and get really good at it. Comedy is it's done right. It's fantastic. Very few people can do it. But so my question isn't how do you bring comedy in because I don't think we can help people do that. My question is this, how did you go from comedy to being a professional speaker and why does that add value to someone that hires you? Oh, it's huge. I probably get hired more because I'm funny than because of my 
I mean, when I speak, I'm speaking about leadership. I'm speaking about creativity. I'm speaking about producing under pressure. Those are my topics. That's my expertise. The reason I get hired, and more importantly, the reason I get hired again is because I'm funny. Uh, you may not be seeing it now, but it's true. I really am. <laughs> no, I know you're funny. <laughs> when I'm on stage, um, it's, I mean, again, if, if, you, if you want to talk about engaging an audience, look, here's, here's, here's the thing. First of all, how did I get there? Uh, one, they canceled the show, and I needed a gig. I needed a job. But also, when you're on TV, I mean, I, I produced the show. I was also on the show. Well, and when you're on TV. Why don't you share the name of the show with everyone? It was called Almost Live. Uh, it was on the air for 15 years in Seattle, which is where I'm coming from now. But we were also on Comedy Central for two and a half years, back in the early days of Comedy Central. Um, but when you're on TV, you get asked to speak in public a lot anyway. Uh, so I was I was used to doing that, and I, I had developed you know those kind of chops and skills. Um, the the funny <clears throat> you know the, the the part about being funny though is um, I mean when you again it's all about engaging the audience. Here's the thing: if you're in front of an audience, whether it's me as a keynoter in front of two thousand people attending a conference, or you the person listening to this podcast in front of 20 people in a training room or 200 people in a training room. If you're up there, especially if you're up holding a microphone or wearing a microphone, if you're up in front of other people, it's a show. You might think, no, I'm actually here to train about on Microsoft Excel. I don't care. When the audience sits down in the seats and you get up in front of them, they're, they're sitting down to, to watch the movie. And their biggest hope is that it's going to be a good movie. You know it. You've been in the situation yourself. When you sat in on a training, you're hoping that the guy in the front or the woman in the front is not going to be dull. You want it to be a good show. And if you can add humor, that's going to make it a great show. I mean, they're, they're, you know, especially in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and there are actually multiple beginnings in a training. In a keynote, there's just kind of one beginning. <clears throat> in training, there are so many chances to make a great first impression when you first start off. After the first break, at the beginning of the second day, after the se you know, like every time you come back, if you can do a little something that's going to make things fun or funny or experiential, uh, that's going to engage the audience. So, it, and it doesn't have to be, look, you don't have to be Harry Seinfeld or Jim Gaffigan or something like that, you, especially if you're a trainer. Now, at a keynote level, they expect you're going to be at a, you know. Really high level. At a training level, man, I mean, Evan, you know this, and it's, I hate even saying it, but you know it's true. The bar is so low because they're expecting to be bored. They're hoping they won't be, but they're expecting to be. And if you just, if you as a, as a trainer show even just a few little comedic chops, maybe you throw up just a cartoon that you bought from the New Yorker that applied. I mean, anything yeah. that'll, that'll help. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not being dull. That's, that's the only real huge mistake a trainer can make is being dull. We're so glad you're listening to this episode of Training Unleashed, brought to you by Tortal Training. The difference between Tortal Training and other online training companies is we're primarily a training company with technology rather than a technology company that does training. Want to find out more? Just go to tortal.net. That's T O R T A L, tortal.net. But you know, you make you make a very good point about even if you're not good at telling a joke, you can do it graphically 
with interesting pictures on yeah. PowerPoints. You can do that. You can, um, I'm not, first of all, I am not a lawyer. I have played one on TV, but maybe there's a really funny YouTube clip or something that applies to what you're training on. You yeah. know, that's the way to get, but uh, I mean like a, a, a funny one. You show that it doesn't have, to, and it doesn't have to be doing even about the training. It can be something that just like a story, it's funny. And then you find a way to apply it to the training but what you're doing is you're just trying to shake things up a little bit, little bit. You know, we've had a lot of dry training here. I need something funny here. So what could it, just to kind of wake the audience back up, is there, is there a video clip someplace? Because that way it's not dependent on you. You just yeah. push play, the video plays, you're going to get laughs. And here's the thing, you get the credit for it because yeah. it's your show, because you're the one running the show. So you, you, you still get the credit for it. So, Bill, let's, let's turn now and let people know a little bit more about how you could help them. Sure. Because part um, of your sharing knowledge here is obviously in exchange for people knowing a little bit about you. Um, if, I'm, if I'm a person, I'm looking to hire someone like you to do a keynote or an incredibly important breakout on an important topic, mm -hmm. what is it you do to help your client get great value in using you as a speaker? The most important thing I do, in addition to the <clears throat> comedic chops, I mean, your audience will be entertained, whether it's, a, whether it's a keynote or a breakout. The most important thing to me is to make sure it resonates with your audience. I am not, I don't have a cookie cutter speech. I mean, I've got titles. Things. Sure. The most important thing for me, and it's true for trainers also, is to customize it, to make sure it resonates with the audience. I do that in a number of ways. I've got a pre-programmed questionnaire form, which gives me kind of the basics. Um, I'll have a conference call with you and the rest of the meeting planning team. And here's where it really gets cool. Um, I love the opportunity to talk to, say, five to seven people who are going to be in the audience. People that you, if you're the meeting planner, suggest, hey, talk to this person, talk to this person, talk to this person. And I want people who are, like, from different areas of what I'm talking to. So, like, maybe there's somebody who's just starting out and somebody who's been there for a long time and, you know, a man and a woman. So I get a different perspectives because then here's the cool thing, and this, this is good for trainers also. I can tell a Jerry Seinfeld story or an Ellen DeGeneres story. I've got them. So I can do that. That's cool. What's even cooler is if I can say, if, if I can make a point, okay, now we're going to talk about um, the importance of building a great team. And I could talk about my team with Bill Nye, the science guy, people like that. Or, well, actually, and or, then I can say, but you know what? I was talking with Jennifer the other day. Jennifer, where are you? Like, you, you all know Jennifer? I love what Jennifer did when she was building her team. Jennifer, do you mind if I tell the story? And I've cleared it with her beforehand, of course. Sure. But, or if it's, if it's a small enough group, I'll say, Jennifer, you know, could you come up here and, and, and tell what you did? But, but whether I'm telling her story or she's telling her story, now the audience is riveted. And it doesn't have to be a beautifully crafted story because it's all about them. Talk about customization. I mean, it's not just me doing my research and my homework, which I do every single time, but it's also me, first of all, making them the hero, making them the star. But with, if people say, well, how can you make sure it's going to be relevant to and resonate with our attendees? Because I'm getting my material from your attendees. I'm, I'm going to feature them. Um, so if I, if I can just chime in here just to build yeah. on what you just said, you know, I told the story about how I showed, you know, 75 great, you know, friend of mine, my I son, 
I, I went to an event and I interviewed people just like you described. Mm -hmm. Found out that one of them was a professional snowboarder. I went, I went on and found a videotape of them doing snowboarding tricks. Yeah. And then I'm in later in the thing and I said, by the way, and I filled up the importance of whatever it was. And, and then I showed the video of the person in the audience. And then, of course, I said, let's give Terry a big hand. And they all applaud. And, and it was like so lucky to find something that matched so yeah, But here's the thing. What it took was that you thought to do it. Most people, most speakers and most trainers don't. They said, well, I've got my speech and I've got my training and I'm just going to do it. And they don't think about that extra step. And when you did that, it probably didn't take a huge amount. Of, I mean, it took some, some time to do that and find it. But again, when you're in front of a room and you do something like that, and all of a sudden you feel the audience sh shift, the energy shifts. Yeah. And as a trainer, as a keynote or enter trainer, it makes everything else so much easier because now the audience knows that, you're, that you've got their back, that you're on their side, that you have. So now they're going to listen at a different level because you're not just the generic trainer coming in. You're not just the generic keynote. You're somebody who you get them. And just like with personal relationships, if you're having a conversation with somebody who you feel like, oh, they're really listening to me. They really get me. That's my job as a keynoter. That's your job as a trainer. Most keynoters don't do that. Most trainers, most, most trainers would not do what you did. But as simple as the idea as that was, um, it's a profound idea that nine you, out of ten trainers would not have done. But if you think about all the people in this room that do training in some fashion, they probably do know people that are going to be in the audience that might be examples of doing something right yeah. that they could bring out because they know the people in their audience. And we have to learn they know because they're, 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 already, they're already doing it. I'm going to share a, a quick story to the reverse of what you said. Mm -hmm. and, and this should make everyone here think a little bit about this. I know someone that charges fifty, sixty thousand dollars a speech, and yeah. I was meeting with him. And That's I said, not me. By the way. I got, I got five, I got five topics, but one speech. Right. I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "Well, it doesn't matter. You pick one of the topics. It's the same speech." <laughs> I just get the same speech over and over again, and and that's the of customization, right? Because it doesn't yeah. matter who the audience is. It doesn't matter what the topic is. It's the same speech, and right. I think, I think that. When I've hired speakers for events I've run, people can tell when the speaker really knows and understands. So I really commend you for what, you, what you're doing. I think we're not just out of time. I think we're probably over time. If you have to give somebody one tip in the training profession, what would that one tip be? Get the mindset that you are putting on a show and you want to make it a great show for them. Yes, you want to train them. You've got to make it a show. Um, another thing I would add to that is as a trainer, don't just give them the how. You have to give them the how. That's, that's the important. They, they need to walk out of the training knowing a skill they didn't know before, knowing how to do But the how without the why is meaningless. You've got to give them the why. Why is it important to learn this? Why, why is this going to help them? So, well, we got two tips for you, double bonus. We shouldn't give like double jeopardy. So <laughs> one is I always remember it's a show no matter what. And that means prepare and present and be entertaining, thinking, grasping, and inspiring, all the things we've been talking about. And two is 
It's not just the how, it's the why. And, and I, by the way, these are two great tips. I strong, strongly agree with them. Bill, it's been fantastic having you. Um, why don't you quickly, because not everybody gets to read the blurb, share your website uh, verbally. Yeah, the website, it's, just, it's my name, um, BillStainton.com, B-I-L-L-S-T-A-I-N-T-O-N. You know what? I'm going to make it easier. You can also use ProducingResults.com. It goes to the okay. same place, ProducingResults.com, because that's what, that's what I'm all about. As trainers, that's what you're all about, too, producing results. Well, Bill, it's been fantastic having you. Really appreciate having you on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks. It was a blast seeing you again, Evan. Take care. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to TrainingUnleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode, and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.